Every year I go on a personal retreat. It's been a little while I've been doing this. First year I went on my own and then I felt the sense to invite others into the process and I think it's been a blessing uh, to me and those who have been able to travel. But every time we go, we, I get these crazy ideas about doing some things. And uh, about four years ago, I think, and I'm not, I don't remember exactly, I just remember the experience, but it was about four years ago that we went out one night and we happened to pull into this place. And, um, you know, it was like an amusement park, but it wasn't an amusement park. It had all these uh, different things. And I remember listening to this sound where uh, all you can hear was like chains just falling, right? It was like boom, boom, and, and, and it attracted me to it because I'm crazy like that, right? So, so, so I started to walk over there and I saw this huge tower. It must have been, I don't know, like 10, 20 you know, stories up. Maybe I'm exaggerating, but it was pretty high, right? It was, it was pretty high. And um, I saw this guy just falling into this net, boom. And I was like, man, that looks like fun. And I said, you know, I, I, I got to try that, you know? So, so, so I, I, I decided to try it, right? And, and so, you know, they, they harness you. And by the way, you pay to do this stuff. See, how, see the thinking here? So, so, you know, I put in this harness because this harness they put you in. And they start, you know, taking me up this tower. And as I'm going up this tower, I realize that something is changing, right? Like on the ground, it looked like fun. But the higher I got, the less fun it became. Like fear started to creep in. Now, I must have been honestly, probably like I asked the guy, we were 160 feet above the floor. I mean, you had a view where you can see everything in the area the highways, everything. So I'm standing there, and suddenly, I realized it wasn't fun. <laughs> and like I had no choice at this moment, because it, it was really a leadership moment, because someone said, if you do it, I'll do it, <laughs> right? So now I'm stuck there, and I don't want to like, you know, punk out and say, nah, let's go down, we're not doing this, right? And I stood there, and I kept asking myself, why am I doing this? <laughs> right? Now, it didn't change. The tower was the same height. The situation was the same. The only thing that's changed was how I looked at it. My perspective changed. On the ground, it was fun. Way up there, it was scary. Now, Lo and behold, I dropped. It was fantastic. I'm not going to do it again. <laughs> That's how fantastic it was. But the moment where what you thought you were feeling, and then the moment where it changes, there are a bunch of things that come into play. I want to speak a little bit today about how you look at things. I want to talk a little bit about your perspective today and how important it is. And there's a difference between a vision and perspective. A vision is a picture of a preferred future, right? Does everybody understand that? 
Like you get a picture of where you want to be, what you want to do, that is a vision. You reverse engineer to try to accomplish that, right? So, you know, if you want to be married and have two kids and a house and all that stuff, you have to reverse engineer from that and begin to work your way towards that vision. Everybody understand that? It's a big difference. Perspective, you're in it. Like you are in that moment. And there's something that has to happen for you to be able to go through that moment with a different mindset. Amen? So it's that that we're going to be speaking into. I'm going to ask everybody to stand. I'm going to read from the text. And then we'll kind of dive into it and see what God has to say to us today about our perspective. Now, it's important for you to hear this because some of you are at a place where you're going through something right now. And if you don't change your perspective, you're going to suffer more than you need to suffer. Are you listening to that? Everyone in this room is in the midst of a situation. A circumstance, a pain, a loss. And unless you begin to change the way you're looking at it, you will suffer more than you need to suffer. I don't want that for you. The pastors and the church, and most importantly, God doesn't want it for you. But unless we change the way we view things, how we look at things, what's going to happen is we're going to suffer more than we have to. Amen? Amen. So the Bible reads as follows. I'm going to read it from Numbers chapter 13. Um, Just follow along with me to read. It says, And the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Send men to spy out the land of Canaan, which I am giving to the children of Israel. From each tribe of their fathers, you shall send a man, everyone a leader among them. Jump down to verse 17. Then Moses sent to them, sent them to spy out the land of Canaan and said to them, go up this way into the south and go up to the mountains and see what the land is like, whether the people who dwell in it are strong or weak, few or many, whether the land they dwell in is good or bad, whether the cities they inhabit are like camps or strongholds, whether the land is rich or poor, whether the forest there or not, be of good courage. And bring some of the fruit of the land. At a time was a season of the first ripe grapes. So they went up and spied out the land. Then they came to the valley of Eshcol. And there cut down a branch with one cluster of grapes. They carried it between two of them on a pole. They also bought some of the pomegranates and figs. The place was called the valley of Eshcol because of the cluster which the men of Israel cut down there. And they returned from spying out the land after 40 days. Verse 26. Now they departed and came back to Moses and Aaron, all the congregation of the children of Israel in the wilderness of Paran and Kadesh. They brought back word to them that, and to all the congregation and showed them the fruit of the land. Then they told them and said, we went to the land where you sent us. It truly flows with milk and honey, and this is its fruit. Nevertheless, the people who dwell in the land are strong. The cities are fortified and very large. Moreover, we saw the descendants of Anak there. And the Amalekites dwell in the land of the south, the Hittites, the Jebusites, and the Amorites dwell in the mountains, and the Canaanites dwell by the sea and along the banks of the Jordan. This is the reading of God's word. You may be seated. (coughs) This is a mouthful, and you don't understand it unless I help you to understand it. 
You, you have to realize two things that are going on from the very Genesis to Revelation. God is on the move. God is working things out because he had made a promise in Genesis about what he was going to do. He promised Abraham he would be a father of many nations. He promised that there would be a Messiah that would be born. If you look at Genesis chapter 315, the Bible speaks of it there. So Genesis is the beginning and numbers is not the end. Revelation is where the Bible ends, but the narrative continues because guess what? As a direct result, we are still here. We're still thriving. Why? Because we're awaiting the return of Jesus Christ. Amen? So, so that's the power of why we keep showing up. Why? We keep doing what we're doing because God loves us, and in the midst of everything, he's going to take a people that were not a people and let them shine in the midst of darkness. Hence, you sitting in your seat. We become the hands and feet. We become those ambassadors that he's called us to be. Last week, you heard a message about reconciliation, how we're supposed to be able to reconcile with one another. And as long as I can help it, I want to live in peace with you. I do. I want to seek out forgiveness because I've been forgiven. Right? I want to be at peace because now I have peace. And I'm not about a piece of a handshake or some document we signed that say, okay, stop shooting because that doesn't work. We've seen it happen too many times. But I, within me, I want to be at peace because I know that in light of eternity, God has got me. So whatever you feel, whatever you say, whatever you think about me does not matter because my validation comes from God and God alone. So at the end of the day, and I don't think me, I'm arrogant and I'm prideful. No, I just know that I can't base my life on how you feel about me. You know why? Because you're finicky. If I do something for you today, you love me. If I don't do something for you, you don't love me. Come on, people. Right? That's what we call conditions, and you place too many conditions on me. You know, as a pastor, I'm supposed to be holy. I'm supposed to walk on water. I'm supposed to lay hands on the sick, and they shall be healed. It doesn't work that way. I am a man just like many of you in this room are. It's a matter of perspective and how you look at it. So God is on the move here. He has liberated his people, and now the book of Numbers, people get upset and say, I don't like the book of Numbers. Well, if you don't like the book of Numbers, you don't understand the story. To pull out the book of Numbers is to miss what God is doing with his people. And what he is doing now, after taking him out, he takes him through this process, Leviticus. Everybody skips Leviticus too because there are too many laws. And you have to be understand that this is the big deal here, please. What happens is when you come out of bondage, when you come out of a lifestyle of decadence and debauchery, when you come out of a lifestyle in which you're doing what you want, when you want, how you want it, right? Now God takes you out of that you think that he's going to let you keep living that way? No? We agree on no? Okay? So, 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 so now he takes us through this washing machine, right? Like now he's got to clean us up, right? He's gotta, so Leviticus is that place where he begins to give them some laws about how to, you know, bathe, what to eat, what not to eat, you know, you know, worship. Everything is embodied in Leviticus. You have to begin to have, because it's a process in which he's taking his people through. A lot of you are in that process. I pray that you are, that you have to understand that when he found you in your condition, right, when you came to that place, you realize that everything you were doing then was what was hurting you. So he's not going to let you keep doing that. But he's got to begin to allow you to look at things differently because before, when you were doing those things, it was all about who? Yeah, it was all about you, person sitting in your seat, right? Your self-righteousness, your selfishness, all that stuff. It was all about you. Are you listening to this? Right? It cannot be all about you no more. And I'm here to share good news. It's not about you. It's not. It's about Jesus. Right? It's the transforming power of being in a relationship with Jesus Christ. And it's not for his personal gain. It is for your benefit. 
So here's he's on the move. He now has made a promise to give them a land. Now, the issue here is that when he reveals the land to them, they come back and complain that the land is occupied. And the land is occupied by the Jebusites, the Anakites, the Hittites, you know, all these Ikes, right? Like, all these people are occupied, and they've had this experience in which they've already dealt with some of these people in their movement, and fear sets in, right? Now, they forgot something. What was it? God said, it's a land that I am giving to Israel. Not that I'm bargaining, not that I'm trying to fix up for you and remodel so you can get in there. No, I'm giving it to you. It's a land flowing milk and honey. It's a land of abundance. That, that's, that's what that means. It's that evidence by the fruit that was growing there that these people were never going to lack the provision of God. Listen to me. God has been taking care of his people way before you've come around. You think that he's going to stop caring for you now? You think that God's provision is going to be withheld from you? Now, you have to discern whether it's a need or a want. You have to discern whether this is something that you want so desperately or it's something you need. Because based on what I know, there are just some basic things that I need, like air, water, and shelter. You know, and a little bit of food every now and then. Like Those are basic things. Now, everything else is a luxury. Do you realize that? That there are people who still struggle today as we sit here comfortably with those basic needs. And that if you are here today sitting in this comfortable room, walking in paved streets, you are all rich. All rich. God has provided that for you. God was always going to protect you, always care for you, always be there with you. Even in the midst of your darkest moments, God is always going to be with you. And these people kind of forgot because he goes on to say here, Moses said, okay, so he says, send down the spy. He sent them out. He sent them all. Remember, one from every particular um, tribe. There was 12 of them. And then they come back and they say, okay, so we went to the land where you sent us. This is verse 27. We went to the land where you sent us. It truly flows with milk and honey. And this is its fruit. Nevertheless, here's their charge. The people who dwell in the land are strong. The cities are fortified and very large. That means they had these, uh, you know, like uh, walls, you know, and all that stuff. We'll, we'll talk about Jericho some other time. Moreover, we saw the descendants of Anak. Now, if you don't understand who the descendants of Anak are, the descendants of Anak, Anak are direct descendants of a guy by the name of Goliath. Okay, you know the story of Goliath, right? But we always, like God always shows up to deal with the giants in our lives. And, and, and he dealt with Goliath. He dealt with his descendants by sending this little boy to deal with it. I love how God does what he does. You know why? Because it doesn't rely on your strength. It doesn't rely on your ability. It doesn't rely on your intellect. It doesn't be about what you know and what tricks you got up your sleeve. It's only by the power of God. The Bible says that it's not by your strength, but by my spirit, saith the Lord. The way that we overcome is not by lifting more weights or running faster or jumping higher. It's believing that Jesus Christ has done it all, and all we got to do is grab a hold of his shirt curl and let him take us. That's all we have to do. Now, a lot of us resist. Why? Because our perspective, the way we look at things, we get caught in the moment, and all these things flood into that moment, our past experiences. Our present situations, our future hopes, 
They flood into that moment and we drown out the voice of God, which he says, this land I am giving to you. It is yours. So they come back and they complain about this and they say, man, the Amalekites are there. You know about them. The Hittites are there. The Jebusites, Amorites, these people don't like us. Yet you want us to live among them. How many of us are in a neighborhood where it's uncomfortable? Right? But here's what I know. God allows me to thrive in those moments because my dependence is not on my surroundings. My dependent is on him. Amen? Amen? So now he says all this thing, and then what happens is these, they, he sent out 12 spies to a land that he already promised. And only two of them come back and say, we could do this. In verse 30, yeah, you're not going to see it on the screen, but it should follow through in your Bibles. It says this. But Caleb reassured the people as they stood before Moses. Like this guy just stood up as these guys were talking, you know, all this, and he said, wait a minute. Let us go up at once and possess it, he said, for we are all well able to conquer it. Not against people as strong as they are, the people started to complain. They will crush us. (laughs) Do you see what's going on here? You got one group of people who are saying, we can't do this. And then you got one group of people saying, we can Now, you got to decide in what camp you are currently existing in. Because here's what I know. A lot of people told me I couldn't. And if I would have listened to them, I would have suffered longer than I needed to suffer. There were some people in my life that said, hey, kid, you can do this. Very few. Very few. But these are the people that stuck around. Come on now. These are the people that stayed. Not only did they tell me I could, but they held my hand through the process. Right? We call that discipleship. We call it mentoring. We call it sponsorship. Whatever it is that you want to give it a name, just know that at the end of the day, you can't do this alone. Amen? So, so now they go and they got these two guys, and then these two guys come back and say, yo, we can do this. And the other guys are saying, no, we can't. They're going to crush us, man. I, I don't want to do this. I didn't come out from Egypt so I can die in the wilderness. I, I didn't come out to, to you know, uh, let's go back. If you read the scriptures later on, they start complaining. They say, hey, uh, uh, let's, let's select the leader because this guy Moses doesn't know what he's doing. Us. He's leading us to our death. You know, uh, no, let's go back. Let's go back. And it's crazy because they list the food, the menus of stuff that they were missing. They talk about, man, I miss the leeks. Anybody know what leeks is? Because I don't. You know what it is? Oh, pr- uh, yeah? So, so they miss onions. And, 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 they, and, they, and they miss garlic. No, I, I'm not making it up. So I'm waiting for the breath mint because if you're eating onion and garlic all the time, right? Like, like these people started to list the things they missed. And to me, none of them make sense in light of eternity, in light of what God is offering you. He's just offered you not garlic and leeks, but he's offered you a land flowing with milk and honey. Now, I don't know about you, but honey and milk tastes a little better than leeks and garlic. Not only that, but the lasting effect of your breath just doesn't work out that way, right? So, so, so again, we find ourselves as people being moved, transported, being transitioned, transformed into something better than we were, yet we long for that which we used to be. How many of us get into a situation and, and, and we say, listen, you don't want to know the old me? Well, Corinthians tells me that 
that person's dead. Like some of you just love, come on, wake up, come on, wake up. Like, no, that person's supposed to be dead. That person that you used to be now, granted, again, if you stick around me every now and then, I act out of character, right? Occasionally. Not, not that much these days. I have a quick turnaround. <laughs> but at the end of the day, what gives me a new perspective and gives me an opportunity to move from that moment into the moment that God wants me to, it's a reminder that the work that is happening in me is his work, not my work. Everybody understand that? The work that's happening in you when you give yourself over to it is a direct result of what God is doing in you through his spirit and your obedience to his word. He's paid the price for you. He's met you where you are, miserable condition, miserable state. Now he's walking with you to get you to realize that there is this life that he has for you that you couldn't even phantom. You couldn't believe. Some of you couldn't believe you could get clean. Some of you couldn't believe that you can get a place. Some of you couldn't believe you could be in a lasting relationship. Some of you couldn't believe that you could start thinking straight without bugging out. Some of you have quieted the voices in your head. Some of you have been able to walk freely through the street without looking over your shoulder. That's a direct result of God's work in your life, for your life, through your life, as you surrendered and yielded and said, you know, I'm tired of doing that. How many of us are tired? Like, honestly, like, I, I, I want to, like, just want to chill, man. Just want to chill. You know, tall glass, Coke, with a little slice of lemon, some ice in it, right? Little bag of chips. That's all. Just want to chill. Right? This is why it's so important when we talk now about this whole idea of perspective. These guys came and said they couldn't do it. These guys said we could. They weren't relying on their strength. They were relying on what was promised. And the promise is that I am for you, not against you. The promise is that I have a land for you. Right now it's occupied, but let me tell you, if you read later on, God begins to give them the victory over those people that are around them. If you follow the narrative, eventually there is this king by the name of David who conquers all their enemies. All their enemies. And they live in relative peace. He then hands it down to his son who also lives in relative peace. For a very long time, nobody messed with Israel. Nobody, because that was God's promise to them. Whoever blesses you will be blessed. Whoever curses you will be cursed. So I walk in that word knowing, man, are you going to bless me? Hey, man, you're going to be blessed. If you curse me, that's going to go right back to you. Right? We see that in Pharaoh when Pharaoh said, oh, uh, I'm, I'm firstborn. I'm going to make sure we get the firstborn. And what happened? It just you wanted to curse Israel, and the, and the curse came right back to you. And they claimed your firstborn. Out of your mouth, you released that energy and that power to be able to do that. Again, perspective is not a vision. Perspective is you're in it. You're experiencing that moment, that time. It's, it's, it's live. You know, you're, you're going live. And, and you have to begin to deal with that in a particular way. So a couple of things I want to touch on. One is... There is this earthly perspective and there is this eternal perspective. Now, the earthly perspective is I got to get my way. I got to win the argument. How many of us like winning the argument? Come on now. Don't, don't raise your hands. Don't raise your hands. Why do you want to win the argument? Because I got to tell you something. You can win and still lose. 
You can win and still lose. Because you're not creating a space or an environment where people can be vulnerable and accept it. And their opinion matters. And eventually what you want to do is you want to bend that person so that person does what you want them to do. And that's not fair because you robbed them of their individuality. Are you listening, church? Because in our interactions with one another, we have to accept the fact that we're different. And that's the beauty of this church. This is the, the, a mosaic of different people coming together and experiencing life in a very different ways. And you add a, this quality and this richness to this experience because all of us here have experienced life differently. So there's this earthly perspective in which you have to win. And then there's this eternal perspective in which you want to serve. Everybody heard that? See, so when you're in a situation and you're not thinking that I want to serve in this moment or you don't know how to serve in this moment, what's going to happen is you're going to suffer longer than you have to suffer. Because at the end of the day, in that place where I want to serve, you're thinking more of the other person than you're thinking of yourself. That's true humility, isn't it? Where you value that person more than you value yourself. No, but they don't understand. No, you don't understand. In light of eternity, an eternal perspective doesn't get me caught up in the moment where I have to win. It gets me caught in the moment because everlasting peace. I want peace to come into my home. I want peace to come into the situation, but I'm not an agent of peace. In fact, I'm the one punching the wall. I'm the one kicking the cat. I'm the one yelling. I'm the one throwing things. Yet, I say, hey, can we live in peace? Do you see the hypocrisy in that? So this perspective, when I come into a situation now, there is this thing that I'm thinking about. I said, how do I look at it? How would Jesus look at it? What would Jesus want to do in this moment? Now, let me tell you something. I don't nail this down every single time. I don't. There are moments where I say something out of the side of my neck, and I'm like, oh, man, how do I clean this up? I can't clean it up. I got to come clean and say, man, I messed up. How many of us are able to do that today and say, yo, I, I messed up? My, I don't know how the kids say that. I started saying my bag, but I think it's my bad. Is, is it bag or bad? B-A-D? Oh, thanks. I, no wonder they were laughing at me. I got it. I got it. You're all laughing at me too. I see. I see. Yeah, I was saying my bag all that time, and, and I realized. So, and yeah. So, um, just getting back to that. Now, there are a bunch of things we want to see here. One is, uh, I want to put up some words. Promise. If, if they'll be up on the screen, I think. The word promise has a definition, and I want to give it to you. Promise is a declaration or assurance that, will, that one will do a particular thing or that a particular thing will happen. Have you ever made a promise? Have you ever had someone who made a promise and didn't keep it? Right? Like that, that's, that hurts. Right? Because there's a, but there's a bunch of things that flood the moment when someone breaks a promise. And in your mindset, a lot of your history comes in, your past experiences, and then you start to dictate it. And the thing that first comes into your mind, I must not be that important to you if you forgot. Right? And, 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 and just so you know, your earthly perspective thinks that way. Your eternal perspective, love thinks the best. Love doesn't allow that moment to be tainted by what you're feeling without asking the question. Because there have been times where I've been sent out for milk and I've brought everything back but milk. <laughs> and I got to tell you what happens. You didn't listen to me. Yes. I said, honey, 
it was a mistake. The chips, the soda, all that got caught up. I forgot, you know, I should be shopping with a list. I forgot. And it just, there was a spiral that happened, and I realized, oh, I broke a promise. When you break a promise, it breaks people. And you have to be mindful. And this is what's happening here. God made a promise, they forgot. Their perspective was, oh no, what's happening in front of us is more important than what God has promised, what God has said he's going to do. Amen? Next one is position. Position is a place someone or something is located or has been put in. God has already put them in a position where they are to be blessed. No matter what happens around them, God has already made that clear. And he says, hey man, I'm taking you to this land. I'm providing this land for you. I'm giving it to you. It belongs to me. Does everybody know that everything belongs to God? Everything belongs, everything. Listen, you belong to God. Your children, your wife, your husbands, everything belongs to God. Whatever you own belongs to God. You are that's what they call a steward. You are a manager. You don't own the store, you're just managing. So stop acting like it's yours. Right? Stop tying it down. Stop holding it so tightly. I've learned to hold things with loose hands. I used to wear ties all the time when I used to come to church, right? And every time I came to church, somebody said it was a nice tie and I gave it to them. So I've run out of ties. Now, this is not me plugging ties. I don't want ties. I don't want to wear ties. But I got to a point where I realized, hey man, if you like it, it's a blessing to you, you can have it, right? And, and, I'm, and I'm, really, I'm really true with that. Like, I don't hold things, you know, tightly, you know, um, because it belongs to God. And I want to be able to be a blessing that way. Provision is the next one. Next P word is provision. God has already provided for them the protection they needed, the action of providing or supplying something for use. The reason that God provides for us is not so you can lock it in a closet. It's so you can use it. So, so the gifts that he's provided you are to be used for the edification of the church. Right? Like, like my mom, she, um, she has a closet full of new things. Like, Mom, when are you going to use this? It's like, special occasion. You have to wait. <laughs> I'm like, Mom, can I grab? No, don't touch that. The provision has been provided for you is so that you can use it. God has provided things for you so you can use it. A lot of you think, well, I may not have enough. Well, there's a story in the Bible that when you give God the little you have, he does a lot with there's a story in the Bible in which a, a, a widow only had a last meal, and, and when the prophet came, he said, give me to eat. And she was like, well, I can't give you to eat because I don't have enough. And then he was like, you don't know who's asking you to give. You don't know who's asking you to give or share with me. And what happened was she shared whatever little she had. And let me tell you what happened in the story, and hopefully one day you'll read it. That widow never, never lacked anything again. So much so that she was able to bless her neighbors in the process. Amen? So, so be aware that provision is for you to use it. And then there's this word power that comes into play. And power is the capacity or ability to direct or influence the behavior of others or the course of events. Now, power should only be placed in the hand of a loving and caring God. Not in your hands. You are all bad tyrants. Y'all, go to your room, go to sleep, eat your vegetables, go take a shower, be quiet, don't say anything, shut the TV off, don't play your game. I'm like, okay, I don't want to live in that house. (laughs) Seriously, power is, is, is good if you know how to use it 
to elevate and encourage the people around you. When you use it to be tyrannical and pound your fist, and we see that happen a lot in, in some old school relationship in which men act as machismo and say, I'm the man, you do what I say. Ladies, how does that fly today? Doesn't fly, right? Doesn't fly. Got it, got it, got it. Yeah, I, I know it firsthand. It doesn't fly. The minute I tried that, Liz was like, What you talking about, Willis? So that, that went out the window really quick, right? So just remind, you know, again, earthly perspective, uh, again, I'm going through these things. The promise, the earthly perspective doesn't hold on to a promise, doesn't care about the position, doesn't care about the provision. But this eternal thing, right? Even the power I have, the little power that I've been given is to be used to help you and me grow together. Because there's strength in numbers. Like, I can run far by myself, and I can do a lot by myself, but I can do so much more if we all just lock arms and say, listen, we're going to storm the gates of hell. You know, our addict friends don't have to die without knowing Jesus. You know, like, like we just have to be able to do what we have to do to get the message out there. Some of us are so comfortable in our own salvation that we're just, I had a word, but I don't want to use it. I, I just, I want you to be useful. We want you to be useful. We, we want us to be able to reach as many people as we possibly can with this great message. And our perspective is, oh, woo, look what I'm going through. No, in light of eternity, step outside of yourself and realize that there are people out there that are suffering, got more than you're suffering at the moment. And I've learned in this ministry that when you're hurting, find somebody who's hurting more than you are and serve them. Serve them. Amen? So perspective. A perspective is a particular attitude toward or a way of regarding something it is a point of view. The scripture says, we may believe in eternity. To what extent have we actually agreed with the world that eternity is not relevant until after its life? No, eternity is here now. In light of eternity, what we're doing is we're shifting our perspective. There was this land that he had promised them. But there is someone who has gone before us to secure a space for us. Now, he actually told his disciples when he was having this conversation with them, they said, Jesus, where are you going? You keep saying about you're going somewhere, that you're leaving us. And he reminded him, listen, I go to prepare a space for you that where I go, you can also be someday. And those spies feared their death, but Jesus embraced his death. Because he knew that this space can only be secured, this heavenly place can only be secured by him dying at the cross for us. So our perspective changes. It changes that when I'm in an argument with somebody, what is it that eternally I should be doing? It should be about resolving this. It's about reconciliation. It's about peace. It's about love. But I can't do that. If I let my past experiences and whatever I'm going through affect that moment. When I cast my vision towards God, when I cast my eyes towards the Lord, and I realize that he's watching me trying to navigate these situations, and I'm not doing as well because I'm allowing these things to influence and impact how I'm reacting rather than responding, then my perspective is an earthly perspective. I don't want that. I want this eternal perspective that allows me to realize that Jesus Christ, 
Lord of Lords, King of Kings, has not only secured a space, a land, a place for me, that I too can dwell one day, that I too can experience his peace and his love, my perspective changes immediately. I don't argue anymore like that. I don't try to get my way. I don't try to win. Because how is that going to allow us to work together if we're arguing about something that is meaningless in light of eternity? So big deal, the socks weren't picked up. Big deal, I didn't pick up the toilet seat. Big deal, I didn't wash a dish. Right? I don't know how they're going to fly later, but... Yeah, like I can't walk in and say, honey, this doesn't matter in light of eternity. Come on. (laughs) But I hope that we get what this is all about today. You're in it right now. Like you're going through something. Your perspective has to change. If you don't look at it as eternal, if you don't look at it as God being at work for you, through you, if you don't see the movement of God in your life, has he moving you from place to place? Has your attitude changed as your heart is being softened? How the way you're seeing things is changing? That's a direct result of the work of the Holy Spirit in you, through you, and for you, for the glory of God, so that he can place this light that he's lit in your life to give light to everything else around you. Now, there's a great deal of tests that go on in life. Now, this glass is here for a reason. Now, some of you will look at it and will say it's half full. Some of you will say it's half empty. That says a lot about you. And there are words for that, right? Words like pessimist and optimist and stuff like that. And and we're not supposed to be these, you know, uh, feeling good all the time people, right? But how we look at things determine, right, how we view life. Some of you are successful and then you're still questioning why you're successful. You're waiting for the other shoe to drop. Some of you are in good relationships, man. And you're starting to sabotage them. Like you're starting to act, oh, this love's feel uncomfortable. I don't know if I want to commit. You're starting to get crazy. And there's no reason for it because you have to shift into this internal perspective that says you deserve to be loved. And you deserve to love others. You deserve to be in a community and a fellowship in which people care about you. But you have to allow yourself to be a caring person. That's a change of perspective. Oh, I don't like being around people. Come on, really? Right? Like, I don't like fake people. Really? (laughs) You're saying a lot about yourself in those moments. Change your perspective. Allow God to use you as a vessel that when you look at a glass, it's not half empty. It's half full. And I got to tell you something. If you're thirsty... That half full glass will help to quench your thirst. The story is always about Jesus. He's always the hero. He's come to give you a new perspective. In fact, the Bible even says he seeks you in a heavenly place. He snatches you out of that mess and says, I want you to look at it now, and I want you to see what I'm doing. I want you to step back. God, I don't understand why this is happening. It's okay. You will. God, I don't, not, this pain is just too much. It's okay. I'm with you. God, I don't know how long I can do this. Well, I said that I wouldn't give you anything you couldn't bear. I've already put it inside you for you to be able to deal with this. You're just 
you know, you're, you're relying on your old stuff. And, and, and now because I'm in you, you're a lot stronger than you used to be. You got a new mind, so you're a lot smarter. So, so just give them the opportunity and make that shift today. You know, when you leave this place, you have to begin to practice this. What is it that I have to change in this relationship with my finances, with my family, with my friends? What, what perspective do I have to take? Because hear what he say about our friends sometimes. Nobody can save that person. That's not an eternal perspective. That's your perspective. Because you're limited in what you can and cannot do. Let's turn it over to God and allow that perspective to be what rules the day. Let's be those kind of people that light up the room. Let's be the people that encourage one another. Let's be the people that we go to work, you know that employee, you know that person that annoys the heck out of you? Right? That you get to find out a little bit about them and bring them a coffee one day. And they're going to look at you like, what's in it? <laughs> stuff, right? Because you have to change the way you interact. You have to be able to do that. That's a perspective shift that has to happen in all of us. Amen? Let's bow.